your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire, the only Big Ten college football podcast that has the stones to ask the tough questions. Is Rutgers bad? Is Northwestern bad? Would them playing each other be an absolute affront to everything that we hold dear? Also, just how great is punting? Is it the greatest action or even greater? Real question, Thump, is if you stacked Maryland and Northwestern and Rutgers on top of each other, would they be able to beat Iowa? Well, okay, so Rutwesteland Voltron versus Iowa. I gotta say, it, you, you would have to add like a, some kind of a Purdue energy sword to that to maybe make it <laughs> really competitive. That's where I would handicap the match. And even then, it's still the Volt, like a Voltron, with, but only with one leg. So it's just like standing there waving. <laughs> um, yes. Boy. Yeah. Yeah, so this... basically form boiler making sword, uh, but it ends up kind of being, you know, just kind of limp and flaccid, and you, you wave it around kind of like a whip, but uh, then, then you know, your arm ends up getting injured, and, you, you know, and then the part of the, the little car leg thing that, that was Rutgers goes down with an ankle injury, and <laughs> if, it just look, falls apart. Look, if, if you haven't gathered by now... We're going to be reaching for interesting things to say about the Big Ten slate this week. It, it, for one thing, doesn't help that half the conference was on a bye this past week. And, you know, with Halloween occurring, you know, more interesting things going on, frankly. But, boy, this week was bad. And, uh, I, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because there was one competitive game. And we'll try we'll like put, we'll, we'll slip that into the middle of the the layers of crap that we have to eat here because now we know who sucks if it if it wasn't clear before we have enough data now we're at the point in the season where we can definitively say if your team is bad and i'm looking forward to it yeah there are i would say what would you say three definitely bad teams yeah, that is a too weak of an adjective for the teams that we're talking about. And there are a couple other teams that are pretty definitely bad also, but not as bad as the other three. Yeah, well, th- three teams that are bad but have kind of random number generator appeal to them. Uh, okay, but we're, we're, we're kind of beating around the bush here. I would like to, because we're going to have to wade through a lot of stuff to get to where my win fight try brewster of the week is relevant i'm gonna pop it open now and see if it's Ooh, okay that sounds a lot better i'm gonna pour a win fight try brewster of the week which is the uh, beer that i brew to take down to champagne this is nutgers a red ale with peanut and oh boy yeah that came out that came out looking nice and it uh as it turns out it is 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 quite nutty quite red and quite satisfying Somebody's back on the football bandwagon. Yeah, apparently. Oh, actually, this one's, this one's pretty good. Um, yeah, so once again, like uh, like my homebrewing, it seems that as my homebrew gets better, Illinois football gets better. Because I was having just disastrous 
issues with my home brewing in September as the Illini were losing at home to Eastern Michigan. But uh, there, know, was, there was that time that about seven cubic feet of foam came out of one of your beers when I accidentally put it down too hard. Yeah, which was roughly the same as the offensive explosion wrought upon us by the Emu Eagles. So, I, I don't know. I think that as long as I continue to brew really good beer, well, drinkably good beer that doesn't, you know, foam I was gonna say, all right, over my, my house here. Stay, stay humble. <laughs> but all right. Um, well, let's get, let's get right to uh, Michigan 38, Maryland 7. Yeah, let's hustle and get to this game. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... Michigan's kind of hit their stride the last couple weeks before this game. They they absolutely curb-stomped Notre Dame at home in the rain, which is a game that probably plays more to Michigan's strength than Notre Dame's. Um, the second half of the Penn State game, they played good enough to darn near pull off a, a comeback upset on the road, no less. Didn't pull it off, but it still feels as though Michigan hit a little bit of a turning point in their season. Hey, maybe big picture, too. I guess we'll see how that pans out, but... Bottom line is, when you're coming into this matchup as Maryland, you know you're facing a Michigan team that's got a little bit of a head of steam behind it. So how best to take down an opponent like this? You, you do have them at home. Now you're not going to have much of a crowd because your own season's been terrible thus far and tons of Michigan fans on the East Coast. So how best to take down this Michigan? I, wait, wait, wait. I got it. Okay, okay, here we go. Here we go. you got to do something they're never going to see coming. Something dramatic. you got to get in their head. you something got to throw fantastic. them off their game plan. You gotta spot them two touchdowns. You gotta give them, let them run the opening kick back for touchdown. Immediately give the ball back to him and let them drive and score again really quickly. So they're up fourteen nothing almost before all their assistants and staffers are even in, on the playing field or, or you know like on the sidelines. You gotta you gotta give them fourteen points immediately, really quickly, and then you got them right where you want them. So I guess somewhere in their analysis of the tape, they concluded. Michigan does struggle to play with the lead, so they decided the quicker <laughs> Michigan gets the lead, the, the, the fast, better our chances are. The faster we get to come back against that lead, except <laughs> here's the thing. Maryland's only points were also on a kick return, which, by the way, it I don't recall the last game I watched or paid any attention to where both teams had a kickoff return. And it's also, it's also maybe commentary that if they didn't have Javon Leak throwing in a big play or two per week, Maryland's offense would be at Rutgers Northwestern levels of bad. They're like half a notch above that because they get a couple big things out of leak every week. Leak every week. <laughs> um, Ooh, man. So who's the leak of the week for Maryland? It's Javon Leak. I mean, with McFarland having fought through this injury for much of the year and the conventional offensive run blocking not really doing anything to get him moving... They've needed the gadget plays, the special plays from Leak, and that's been all they've gotten. And that was all they got in this game. The only circumstance I can remember in a football game where where you had both teams returning kicks for touchdowns was the year after I graduated high school, uh, my own Naperville North Huskies were were, uh, delivering a beatdown to Homewood Flossmoor in the state title game, and uh, Homewood Flossmoor scored a late touchdown and then attempted an onside kick. Well... Our up man caught it in stride as the hands team overran him, so he just ran for a touchdown. We kicked it deep, gave up a touchdown on the kick return. They they attempted an onside kick, kicked it to the same guy who caught it in stride. Hands team overran him, touchdown. So it's just three consecutive touchdowns there, and I I, I think I think then um, we kicked deep, stopped them, 
Got the ball back, and uh, that was the end of that. And of course, it being a story that involves Naperville, all of our Iowa fans in the audience will be familiar with that one. Am I right? High five. No, no okay. <laughs> all right. He declined the high five, but you know it's true. They know it's true. Uh, so, yeah. The, um, I mean, the way Maryland came out in this game, do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah. It reminded me of the episode where... Mac and Dennis hand out a bunch of Patty's dollars to people in RVs outside their bar, thinking it will stimulate their economy the way Dave and Buster's does with their, you know, power bucks or whatever. And then people just give them all the money that they handed them, take all their liquor, and they don't have any actual money or liquor anymore. That was Maryland coming into this game and just immediately (laughs) smiling. Because, you know, okay, we'll, we'll give them a big lead and then we'll be motivated to play from behind and... And wait, now they're just continuing to expand the lead. How does this work? And I just picture Loxley talking to whoever his top assistant is. Like, I don't I, know. I thought I you knew how this was. I thought this was your plan. I don't think oh, I've no, ever seen a game. I blacked out in this in this film meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a game be over so fast. Honestly, it, it, this one was... Um... It was 14 nothing when... like I meant to watch it from the beginning. By the time I turned it on, <laughs> it was already 14 nothing. Uh, all right, so if we were to go a little bit deeper into this, there I, is... I realized that I was in Central Time because I was in Champagne. Yeah, and I realized, oh, wait a second, football starts at eleven here, and by the time I checked it, it was fourteen nothing. Yeah. So, if you're if you're looking for a little bit more in depth analysis, first of all, shame on you. Uh, but Michigan's offense is still a little bit feast or famine. Uh, they had 11 drives where they ran plays. I'm taking out the kick return because obviously that's the best possible outcome, but there are 11 other possessions. They still managed to go three and out four times, even in a game where they completely controlled things. I mean, they had the the drives that they did have that went for touchdowns were long, well-balanced drives, mix of run and pass. Um, Again, you know, when you look at a margin like this, you usually expect to see a massive yardage disparity in Michigan's offense actually had about as pedestrian of a day as you can have while still putting up 38 points. So I guess that's, I mean, again, it's not like they had to open it up and fling it all over the field, you know, deploy their full bag of tricks to win this game. They shut it down basically five minutes into the game. Uh, Boy, and you know, if you're Maryland, hey man, it's basketball season as we are, as we are recording this. So got off to a good start tonight. It is indeed. Is Maryland playing tonight? Uh, the women did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, they beat, uh, they doubled up Wagner. So, that's always good to see. Now, our low-key game of the week, which I believe we called the low-key Big Ten game of the week last week. We did. Purdue 31, Nebraska 27. Not that this was a hard, good game to call, because, again, looking at the rest of the slate... If you had to pick the best game, you're obviously going to pick this one. Yes, and we, I mean... I didn't think that Indiana would get the margin they did over Northwestern. I thought Illinois might get a little bit more of a fight from Rutgers. In hindsight, we should not have expected that from the two obvious worst teams in the in the league this year. Uh, but this game, I think we thought would be good because they're both these wounded, imbalanced, you know, um, desperate teams. Really, I mean, if you talk if you're talking about yeah, bowl eligibility, to bowl eligibility in the case for Purdue, yeah, Nebraska. This was Nebraska's margin for error on that, which is not gone. particularly good pass defenses, uh, and not particularly healthy either. I, Avery Martinez did play in this, I believe. He did, uh, but man, he. It's hard to tell at this point if the guy is still injured or if it's just 
his, the frequency of injuries he's had have held back his progression or what. But you remember at the beginning of the year, he had Heisman. Uh, not He wasn't just on the board for Heisman odds. He was like a top 10 betting candidate, which... I, I believe that he was higher on the list than Jonathan Taylor. Now, of course, that one hasn't aged well, but you can see why Jonathan Taylor was on the list. No, it's aged perfectly well. I mean, Taylor is still a back-of-the-picture candidate. His numbers will probably... You could squint at him and say he could belong in the picture, but Martinez isn't anywhere close. I mean, there are five quarterbacks in the conference better than him, clearly. So, yeah, that, I mean... <laughs> We commented on this at the time. Never underestimate the delusional power of a betting fan base, which is apparently what happened there. Absolutely. I mean, the the books will gladly take every Husker idiot's money who wants to bet on Adrian Martinez to win the Heisman. Uh, That will probably be the case again next year. He'll be healthier. He'll be an upperclassman now. Everything is going to be different. Year three, it's Scott Frost Day. Every day is Scott Frost Day. By the way, how many wins has Scott Frost got on the road so far as Nebraska head coach? Um... I don't know. I know he's got at least two. No, at least one. He has one. Exactly one. And that was a gift. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap. Imagine. Nope. You know what? I'm too happy to be sad imagining if we were already bowl eligible because we'd won a very easily winnable game. But yeah, this, um, this was a game that Nebraska should have been able to win. Yeah. Well, I mean, not only because... Not only is Purdue wildly inconsistent, which is, again, the hallmark of a very, very young team, a very injured team, but they lost Plummer, their second-string quarterback, during this game. This game was won by Aiden O'Connell, the third stringer. Uh, freshman, former walk-on. Right? No, I think he's a former walk-on. He's like oh, a okay. redshirt sophomore or something, but no, he's a walk-on, a former walk-on, and he, he played well enough, uh, which, again, is why, in spite of... The results in the win-loss column in this year being a wash. I do still have some long-term optimism for Jeff Brom being a success. Certainly more than I do for this point at Scott Frost. Because he reached for the Pat Fitzgerald soundbite a couple weeks ago. And uh, did you see any of this stuff about uh, about what, what, his, what he was saying behind certain closed doors about scheduling? Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that he wanted to play Indiana more? Good. Let's have you play yeah. him every year. Let's, let's see let's how it goes. Let's have you play nine games against Tom Allen, Indiana. Yeah, yeah. let's have Tom Allen rub it. You'll have your face in it every year from here on out for that Hey, kind the of, gap to Indiana got bigger this year. For that incredible arrogance. My God, he deserves every loss that comes his way. You know, there. if I'm looking at this objectively, there are some red flags starting to spout up starting to pop up on, on Scott Frost. It's very early and they're very subtle. But there are some things that, if I'm a Nebraska fan and I can take off the rose-colored glasses for just one second, I think, that's not something I wish that our football coach would say or do. You know? Yeah, no, uh, not at all. Not at all. I mean, that and, you know, the, the hoodie line while wearing a hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> that's like... Yeah. Uh, I just wonder if that's gonna, that feels to me... <laughs> the best comparison I came up with in my head is that feels like the Howard Dean moment. Like it's like that shouldn't be the dumb thing that ends up yeah. that you think of him in the future, but it probably it feels like it. Could you know, be. I get this has been a frustrating season. He's still a young coach. You know, we we said similar clownish things about PJ Fleck at various points last year, but he his his shtick was very consistent. You know, sure. yeah. he, he he wasn't. <laughs> 
He didn't have the same type of. And he actually red has flag. a track record with that shtick. I mean, that this is isn't, true. this isn't stop number one for him, the way it is for Frost. So that is true. Well, I mean, that's not true. He was in Central Florida. I but. don't know. It's 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 too. You know, if you're Nebraska, you're looking long term. Let's build back to relevance. I think that a lot of Nebraska people. Now that August Syndrome is out of the systems, are, are still taking a long-term view of this. But, boy, there are some things that I think are looking concerning that you you, you got to hope that, some, that you know, don't represent who he really is as a coach. Yeah, and I, we'll see how all that pans out. I suppose if you're looking for the fallback, it's always, well, it is only year two. This is a transition between roster that's likely to that was always likely to have some growing pains, but it's not like there was no talent left when he got there. Um, granted, you know Mike Riley completely mismanaged the talent there, and it was dysfunctional by the end. But it's not like there was nobody there who could play. And yeah, it, well, again, by the same token, we talked about Adrian Martinez. Nebraska had odds to make the playoff at the beginning of this year. Yeah, I saw a plus 500 for Nebraska to make the playoffs. <laughs> Just, that was that was insane. equal to like Michigan. <laughs> be like it was equal to Florida if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Which Florida still could do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> if, I mean it's a long shot, but yeah. like it's Well, it's same for Michigan. Like could plus. could they still do it? I suppose it's not impossible, but you know, you'd have to have about 10 or 11 things happen yeah. outside of their control. So all, again, all man, of which if, is to if say, if Nebraska can't beat Purdue in this configuration, what are you gonna do against a healthy Purdue? Well, a healthy Purdue that now, I mean, remember Jeff Brom is not very far behind Scott Frost in recruiting. No, if he is at they're, all, they're, are they they've been him? roughly even as far as recruiting is concerned. So, uh, I mean, considering I'm... what Jeff Brom has done with the talent that he has, especially as he continues to lose players, well, let me ask you this from from the Nebraska standpoint. Aside from Wandale Robinson, who of Scott Frost's impact or recruits has been an impact player so far? Depending on your definition of impact, I mean, the team certainly lives and dies with Adrian Martinez. Sure. But if he's not going to be healthy, you got to have another guy, don't you? And I think all the other quarterbacks are guys he picked. I mean, he, he brought Vedral with him from UCF. He recruit well, Luke McCaffrey, I guess we'll see what he ends up being. Well, they're not likely to play him as long as Martinez is healthy, but there is still talent on this team. They still have some games, and they've got the, the bad thing about obviously the bad thing about the back end of their schedule is it's tough. But the good thing is, if you're a coach like Scott Frost, you've got talent on that team. You have an opportunity to make a statement that you know you've got control. You know you've got control of this program. There, you've got you can establish a high ceiling. Yeah, and you know, they came out and fell flat on their faces last season too before rallying to be honest. I mean, that upward trajectory at the end of last year is part of what put them in those conversations that some people, not us, had in the offseason. Well, you believe in them. But, um, you know, in hindsight, that included a win over a trash Michigan State team. I mean, that should not have been part of the data people looked at when they thought this team is going places right now. Right now they're going places because they beat Michigan State 9-6. to six. I mean... That should ever should never have entered the equation, but it did, and we'll see we'll see what those data points might be this week. They, as you mentioned, they do have a couple of opportunities left. If you're Purdue, I mean, after the way this season started and getting to six losses so quickly, right? Well, now you're just having fun. 
everything else from this point forward is gravy. I mean, yeah. not necessarily having fun, but it's kind of like, you know, you get caught. I mean, there are times when I, I would get, get caught in, in a torrential downpour at, at, at college. When I was walking, and there was just nothing I could do. But at a certain point, you become so saturated that it's just, all right, all right well, now I'm just, I let just don't f- care. I'm just going to splash through these puddles. Oh, yeah. I don't care. All my stuff let me is find ruined. the biggest, deepest puddle I can belly flop in. Splash! Right yeah. Yay! Look, that person. Yeah, I don't look, even care anymore. That guy looks like he's trying to stay dry. What a dumbass. I'm going to splash him. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what you are. That's the point you should be at now is let me see who else I can splash if you're. <laughs> you can't deny Indiana Bowl eligibility, but you can take the bucket from them. You know that's something. Uh, so, yeah. All right, man. You had your day. Oh boy, Ill and Utgers happened. So um, I don't know. Some people were telling me that it was just because Dad's Day was that weekend, and that's where people that remember Illinois football being good go to tailgate. But the tailgating scene at Illinois was lit. It was bizarre. I haven't seen anything like that in about three years. And the the stadium didn't quite match that um, level of volume, but I mean, they reported like 35,000 ticketed attendance, but I don't know. I think that this was actually kind of a low estimate for that, or at the very least, they were a lot louder than the 35,000 that showed up for Rutgers two years ago. There were plenty of empty seats in the TV broadcast, if I'm being honest. Um, oh, for sure. For sure. But there's also plenty of seats there. Now, what I do want to mention is that this was looking kind of, um, this was looking really, really hairy in that second quarter because it looked like Rutgers had found something that was working and I, I'd seen this movie a thousand times before. Def- the offense finds something that's working, and the defense and Lovey's defense just can't react to it. Every single time they do it, it seems like it's the first time they've ever seen it, especially read option. So ten to ten at the half, I was feeling pretty. Um... You weren't you weren't the only one. Um, uh... Did you see any references to the booth that was describing this game? <laughs> no. There was a point in the second quarter uh, where Matt Millen described it as he's like, "This game is just." Kind of lackluster. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, Matt, you're right. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, and any resident of the state of Michigan hearing a football thing come out of Matt Millen's mouth should have the instinctual, like, lizard brain reaction of, you shut your goddamn mouth, Millen! Don't you talk football to me! But because my, again, because my parents loved me, I am not a Lions fan, so I actually appreciate he does kind of know what he's talking about, and he was right. That first half was goddamn boring. And not just boring, but, like, there was visibly no energy. And that, you know, part of that is because of what you mentioned, that Rutgers kept it closer a lot longer than you thought. And not only did they keep it close, they tied it back up. Yeah. Well, and I that, thought, the, touch, the touchdown sure. pass in particular was kept the kind of play where it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the state, I, I could feel the whole stadium go, oh, my God. Here we go again. We're <laughs> doing. We're doing this. We're doing this now. Especially because if Rutgers does something like that, which is you know, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the kind of play what, where it's their, like their third touchdown in Big Ten play. Shit. Oh, I don't know. I mean, not many. So, what this seems so much like was the Minnesota game in 2010, where they had a head coach fired and then played terribly, and then we were like 20 something point. Yeah, we were about 23 point favorites in that one. And we uh, we gave up, uh, you know, a previously stout defense gave up a late touchdown drive. The 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 zombie Tim Brewster Gophers. But in the second half, the defense came out and basically won the game themselves. 
by getting two defensive touchdowns. Illinois now leads the nation in points off turnovers. The one th which is which is crazy to me because it's not just that you know they've they've scored off of turnovers like the defensive players have scored. It's also that for some reason it seems that getting a turnover breathes life into, breathes the, life offense into the offense that it otherwise like, really doesn't have. That it is, like yeah. like to a greater degree than you see with other teams. They seem to do their best work when they get turnovers. Um, Brandon Peters said after I spent the whole first half. Uh, watching, I was behind the end zone, so I had, you know, not the sideline perspective, so I could see how much room they were giving him to run the ball on the read option, and I'm and I'm just screaming, oh my god, just take the 20 yards! And then given how, I mean, again, given that you can easily be heard in many stadiums, apparently he heard you, and it was the <laughs> slowest 50, what, four yard 54. rush? 54. I've ever seen in my life. I I've thought he was going to make it all the way. He, uh, he damn near did. Not if there were any defensive backs on the field, man, which eventually, you know, uh, boy, <laughs> it was, it was majestic in a way. Uh, like, like a, like a very, <laughs> like a, like a very slow gazelle. Right. So like, not a rhino cause that's powerful, but like a, like a small rhino. Like a giraffe like a, <laughs> running. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like look at how clumsy it is. I guess it's kind of moving, but it doesn't look like it's meant to do that. <laughs> it looks it looks natural but inelegant as though it as though it has this mode available but is not stable. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Hat tip to Johnny Langan. My goodness, that kid was fearless because he got lit up. He he found that the best way to gain yards on the defense was to keep it himself, and he just got destroyed. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it, when it rains, it pours, and Isaiah Pacheco left the game with an injury at some point. So Rutgers is now, they've got their freshman quarterback. I'm pretty sure Langan's a freshman. They've, their top two running backs, um, Young and Adams, I think is the other guy. Yeah, Karon Adams are both true freshmen. Um, they're, I don't think they have any upperclassmen receivers or tight ends. They've probably got a couple upperclassmen linemen, but nothing very good. Uh, <laughs> the whole offense is it's, you know, when you look at this situation, like even if Blackshear and Sitkowski were playing, like where are all the guys Ash should have been recruiting? Like he, he was there long enough. They should have upperclassmen and they don't like, they just don't. They all left. I, like, <laughs> Hey, with this win, Illinois has a winning record. A pretty good shot at a bowl game is not eliminated from the Big Ten West title race, and Lovey Smith has the most Big Ten wins of any coach this at Illinois this decade, surpassing Ron Zook's six that he got in his last two years. That's dark. So, yeah, Lovey intensifies points off turnovers. I can't quite explain it. It just it reminded. I, I hate to say this because it sounds just too optimistic, but it does remind me of the Lovey Smith Bears, where you just watch them and they're like, "What the hell are they doing on? Oh, 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 oh! Suddenly they're winning by like two touchdowns. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> and like, it never feels like they deserve to be winning by the margin that they are. And yet." <laughs> 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Somebody's got Rick Grossman in the Super Bowl. Speaking <laughs> of people who don't deserve to be winning, Northwestern. Yeah, except in this case, what is deserved matches reality. So look, you know, as you know, as our fans of the podcast know, I've been a diehard fan of my Indiana Hoosiers all my life. Uh, loved my years in Bloomington. The Lynch years were real struggle. Uh, you know, Haps Rock and all that. That's that's great stuff. This team is just really engaging to watch. It is the opposite of my own actual team in every way, which is why I like I generally want them, genuinely want them to win now. It's an offense that's really well designed. They don't have superstar players, but their guys are really good in specific ways, and their staff knows how to use them in ways that accentuate those strengths. The defense, again, doesn't have star power necessarily, although I think Tuan Mullen is going to be an awesome player by the time he's done there. But they just have capable guys across the board, and the whole thing fits together. And Tom Allen seems so genuinely pumped for his team and for the experience that he's creating there that it, this is a very easy thing to cheer for, even though, I mean, so I, I still, looking back... I'm thinking that Michigan State beating Indiana is going to be one of the more mystifying outcomes in the season. I was going to say, had you assholes not beaten them, a very, very dank timeline is still highly Man, plausible. fuck them. That's our spittoon, and they can't have it. I need, to, I need this tobacco right now because of what my team is doing to me. Mm-hmm. Did I ever tell you I had a roommate once who chewed tobacco? <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, this is my freshman year in college, I was unfamiliar with the habits associated with chewing tobacco. So I came back one day, he was in the shower and there was a Coke bottle on his desk full of brown liquid. And I kind of glanced at the bathroom door and I was like, he won't mind if I take a quick swig of his pop. (laughs) No, I, no, I didn't. I didn't because as you, if you're familiar at all with the accoutrement de chaw, I picked the bottle up and the smell came out of it and like punched me in the nose. I was like, oh my God. And I saw the empty tin of skull on his desk and I was like, oh no. Oh no. Why would you save this? Uh, and, you know, but I was like, yeah, well, well, he's quiet. He goes to sleep early. He was rushing a fraternity, so I never saw him. He was the best roommate I had through college. <laughs> um, Suddenly, my reddish brown liquid here doesn't look so appetizing. Oh, no. Do you? I would never mistake that for tobacco juice because that shit is black as night. It's like melted licorice. Yeah, I'll take a sip. <laughs> All right. Andrew is trying to sample this nutgers right here. Apropos of nothing. Uh, how does it compare to chaw juice? <laughs> well, I'll never forget the smell of the chaw. I would certainly prefer that. That's that's my endorsement of nutgers. Better than drinking tobacco spit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Pat Fitzgerald apparently has a really great practice team because as he said people are coming up people are coming up to me all all the time big, big strong guys with tears in their eyes saying are you sir sir mr coach sir are you sure your team isn't undefeated right now and they say thank you sir thank you for what you're doing for the northwestern people many people are saying this people are telling me this all the time 
Yeah. Not okay. a lot of people know this. <laughs> people don't know about this. <laughs> He's quickly approaching Brian Kelly levels of unlikable. Like, the only thing is he doesn't have any blood on his hands. That's honestly the only difference at this point. Um, so, like, this on the field, this game was over when Northwestern coughed it up twice very early and Indiana immediately capitalized on it. Um, Hunter Johnson, I think, went down with an injury in this game after play. And the story on him came out, by the way. And knowing now what we do about the background there with the sickness in his family, um, can't hold Fitzgerald responsible for how he's handled that. And Actually, if anything, I tip my hat to Fitzgerald for how he handled that because that's something I'm sure that they wanted to keep private. And he did, uh, I mean, he took some heat for... You know, in the yeah. service of protecting Yeah, him. keeping it private cost him... I mean, again, not that it seems to bother him, but it was one more of the many barbs that have come his way. Most of them deservedly so. But we'll go ahead and pluck that one out of Fitzgerald's hide and discard that and uh, go to the seven or eight other Chris things you can criticize him for. Uh, boy, it it's hard to understand exactly what happened to Northwestern's offense here. I mean, was... They really need to put that statue of Clayton Thorson up right now because apparently he was the only thing keeping this program from being this. Like, a lot of the other pieces are the same. They've got most of the same receivers and backs. I think there was a little, there was some turnover on the line, but it's again the same, same coordinators. I mean, we know that. So, yeah. <laughs> um, boy. But anyway, if you're an Indiana fan, it has to be an incredible and refreshing. Thing to see your fan to see your team not do the Indiana football thing and lose a game like this when everything is going your way. Not even it. not lose a game. It's like not even just take out the trash in an orderly fashion with no drama. Yeah, four three, nothing to see here. Yeah, you you walked out to the dumpster, flipped the lid, tossed it in, and returned to your returned to your home without incident. You didn't face plant and like you know belly flop onto the bag of trash. You weren't set upon by a gang of raccoons. Like you nothing, nothing some, bad happened. You didn't have some uh, psycho that's distantly related to Matthew Matthew Broderick uh, hold up a gun at you and go garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of this happened to you. So yeah, no turnovers to three, more than double yardage. <laughs> the con- the concept of business. The concept of nine Indiana remains alive. Uh, so, it's going to be hard, but it remains alive. Imagine Pat Fitzgerald with like his face with maybe 10 to 15 years of age, and imagine that then he starts to lose his hair. He's going to be a thumb, isn't he? Like He's just going to look like a thumb. <laughs> he stays there about 10, 15 more years. He's oh, going to be a thumb. He's got big thumb energy. And, yeah, because like, his eyes are going to continue to flatten out. Or he's just not gonna ha- his, his eyes will just be like tiny little lines eventually. Um, yeah, oh man, yeah. Let's just hope sooner or later some NFL team's dumb enough to hire him. Um, <laughs> I think he'd look good in Miami Dolphins colors, but anyway. That actually does it for conference business this weekend. Four games, y'all, four games. And this, again, week before, everybody was on the floor. We banged out that double. We met our quota. So now we have a little bit of downtime. So guys had to, some guys had to take cutting hours this week. That's what happens. Good news is there was some interesting stuff elsewhere. The highest profile game, I guess, if you're still worried about playoff implications, which get out of here, Ohio State fans. Uh, <laughs> Georgia prevailing over Florida in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I will call it that forever. You can't make me stop. Um, it was a pretty good game. and what it was. Is, what is the politically correct name for it? 
I forget. There's it, um, I don't know what they call it now, but they're, the network has been instructed not to call it that anymore, and so they don't. Uh, it, it's probably... It's probably like the the Belk Memorial support our troops. Bowl How about the Belk Memorial? Baby, you a song, you make me want to roll my tide down. Jeez. And bruise. Yeah, there's probably you know there's probably a dedicated modern country song for this game. Um, but it was what it was one of those games where when you looked at the final score, it was like, wait, how did Georgia not win this by thirty? Because uh, I mean, they were dramatically the better team, but Florida did just enough to keep it interesting, and you know, they they are by no means in the same league as Georgia from a talent standpoint. But the pieces that Florida does have, some of those guys are incredible. Like that defensive end combo of Greenard and Zuniga, is otherworldly i mean they you know put them on ohio state's or penn state's defensive line and they probably chase a couple starters out so well maybe not ohio state's that's chase young but it's uh it was a good game i watched it i enjoyed it for the most part elsewhere um there (laughs) this this was group of five blood week um cincinnati which low-key is in a pretty good position for that group of five New Year's Six Bowl, very nearly sat in a bowl of Skyline Chili against East Carolina. Or Skyline Chili aftermath, anyway. Or they or they almost ate some Skyline Chili. A bad thing associated with Skyline Chili. Which is just all bad. Thing. Like they, something happened that involves Skyline Chili for Cincinnati football. But they ne- at the last second, they narrowly averted the Skyline Chili. So the Skyline Chili thing wasn't part of their reality anymore. That's what we're trying to get at here. That was the game they had against ECU. And then there was Smumpfus. Holy shit, that game was awesome. Smumpfus. <laughs> Oh, yeah. College game day on hand for Smumphus. Oh, they picked good. They picked good. Um, 54-48 Tigers. And the best thing about it was uh, there was a late in the game, it was 54-40 Memphis, and then SMU drives very quickly. They score a touchdown, and then they go for two right then to close the gap to six. And it it was... There's like no reason that like you you look it's like why uh, what, and then it turns out the spread was Memphis minus six. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get the ball back. They failed. They, they incorrect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they had on a push. But oh, man, each team because over they... 500 yards, no turnovers. Oh yeah, not a lick of defense played either. Don't I mean, the offenses were both by far the better. As you would expect. And I would have it no other way. Um, but man, you know, we <laughs> we occasionally joke about, oh, send Rutgers back to the American. Hell no. Rutgers oh, doesn't belong boy, in the no. American. Send them to send them to those to the Sun Belt or some shit. I mean, maybe they belong in the stank ass Mac this year, but um, no, this game was wildly entertaining. Of course, I <laughs> I played Kenneth Gainwell in this game, and I think he ended up with like 16 points or something. Yeah, he was so they, like high. they they put up 54 points, and he met he was like the fourth highest scoring college fantasy player on their roster. I was like, what the actual? Like, You've got Kenyon Barnard. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
where like Oregon would score 85 points. It's like, oh, he had uh, six carries for 33 yards. <laughs> so, uh, Boise State, oh man, Boise State put up a bunch of points because they had to, because San Jose State would not leave them alone. San Jose State two... put up damn near 500 yards on Boise State. They got out to a two-score lead too, didn't they? Didn't San Jose State jump on out in front of them? Yeah, 14-0 was the score early in the game. It was 24-17 at the half, and then we just could not keep it up. Yeah, but then elsewhere, we we did have... Is this the first group of five Dick Trump of the Week we've had? I don't recall another one, but Appalachian State last Thursday night... Uh, boy, can't take that one when everybody's looking. Oh my god, they were pretty large favorites in this one, if I recall. Yeah. Which was a Georgia Southern or Georgia State? Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. Georgia so Southern's the decent one. The least in, the less embarrassing of the two, but that's still yeah, that's a loss. That's a primetime game. I mean, it was the only game of import on Thursday. And uh, that pretty much rules them out of the group of five New Year's Six Bowl. It's between it's Boise, it's um, no, they're thirteen and a half. It's Cincinnati point at this point. Well, that's still. I mean, a two. It was on the. Game. I mean, no, no, no. It was at home. It was at home too. Uh, they they outgained Georgia Southern by seventy. Didn't turn the ball over. Twenty three first down to fifteen. But ultimately, Georgia Southern controlled the clock as triple option teams sometimes do. Yeah. And well, that's uh, all she wrote. So, I don't think it's necessarily... No margin for error. No. It, I don't think it's fair to call a road dog a dick tripper, but Virginia Tech and Notre Dame... Did you happen to catch any of this? I think it was late enough that you might have... I did not. So, they're winning, Virginia Tech, and they gave the ball... So, <laughs> it's one of those things oh, where... I'm looking at that win probability graph. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It happened. And... In Bud Foster's swan song, what does he decide to do with Notre Dame needing to go, I think, like 90 yards? They needed a touchdown. I think there were three minutes and change left. Irish had one timeout, if I remember right. And with those circumstances in mind, what defense does Bud Foster deploy? One of the most respective defensive minds of all time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, they were at their own... 13. He went to the prevent. Oh. Steve, what does prevent do? Prevents you from. Doesn't not... I don't necessarily like prevent you from winning, but it prevents you from closing out. No, it prevents you from winning because it prevented Virginia Tech from winning. Never play prevent, man. Not even once. Oh, man. What a brutal. Holy crap, I remember being very upset about missing out on Quincy Patterson. 9 for 28 for 139. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't look great, but I think this was his first game, or yeah. first game starting. So, last major storyline of the week. Divine Diablo, 98-yard fumble return, tied it up right near the end of the second quarter. That's a hell of a name. Divine Diablo. In front of Touchdown Jesus, no less. Uh. <laughs> Divine Diablo <laughs> scores in front of Touchdown Jesus and everybody. I mean, oh man, all of the signs were there. Bud Foster, how could you do this? How could you do this thing? He's clearly fishing. Is that Lemon or Leah? Last major storyline of the week, Florida State 21 games into his tenure, pulls the plug on Willie Taggart. 
Interesting choice. Boy, last week we said that, you know, everyone was going to calm down and... Things seem to have leveled out a little bit. It's true that Florida State took a whipping at the hands of Miami. And maybe, I mean, that's, you know... It feels like if that's the kind of game you're going to eject someone for, it better at least be... If it's Florida State, it can be Florida or Miami. If it's Miami, Florida or Florida State. If it's Florida, Miami or Florida State. Where if you lose big to one of those teams and you got to hear about it. And more importantly, your boosters got to hear about it. Because that's obvious. I mean, that's what fuels this kind of... Like an administrator is not going to voluntarily choose instability in the middle of a year, middle of an academic term. Like, yeah, let me rip this coach out right now when I can't interview most of the guys I'm going to want to replace him. Um, But if there was one place... There was one school in the country that you would think a thing like this would happen. Would it be post-Jimbo Fisher, Florida State? Yeah, and the next one would be post-Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, whenever yeah. that comes to it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, I mean, which is just kind of fitting. State, they, they got beat by, by uh, clown-ass Manny Diaz. Good job, Miami. Good job. You kept pace with Illinois. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe you can maybe you can make some things happen someday, so someday there. It's a, when, it's a cute little program you have there, Manny Diaz. When uh, when Jeff it's Tom- not as good as Temple. When Jeff Thomas's kids are old enough to go to college, but like aren't Division One athletes, and they don't go to either Miami or Illinois, will you let it go then? It's not about <laughs> Jeff Thomas. It's about Manny Diaz. Okay. When he gets fired after the end of next year, I'll let it go. All right. He can go be head coach in waiting at, again at Texas. Just wait the rest of his life there. Okay. God damn it, Manny Diaz. You started, you decided to kick the Illinois fan base, like Illinois football fans, in January of 2019. Only crazy people were left. You did kind of kick a dog, yeah. Only crazy people were left. You're never hearing the end of this, ever. Not a threat, that's a that's just, just a state. Your source for big gun call gets off tackle empire!